Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this is going to be episode 283 with Jessica Picari. Um, Jessica is so incredibly inspiring. Uh, her list of ultra running accomplishments, and it's like ultra, ultra running accomplishments, uh, <laughs> is pretty pretty incredible uh back in 2018 she won the moab 240 um that same year she also got first place female for the triple crown of 200s and then the next year she went on to win the franklin's 200 miler in texas um she does takes on these long 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 distance challenges and and just has this incredible uh, perseverance through them. Uh, and it's so awesome to be able to talk with her. I'm really, uh, honored that she'd come on the podcast. Uh, recently she wrote a book called bombs to trails, interweaving heritage life, PTSD on the Pacific crest trail. And this book is about a lot of things, but it's, but it kind of revolves around the story of her going, uh, to the north, northernmost part of the Pacific Crest Trail, heading south through the snow by herself, trying to set uh, the fastest known time on that. Um, and as she does, you know, kind of learning to accept certain things that have happened in her past. She was an army medic. Um, and she also kind of connects with her native american blackfeet and um her mexican heritage along the way uh i've dived into the book i'm i just started it and i'm super excited if you're a fan of ultra running books and you know the story of adventure and what what we learn through taking on these challenges you know things we talk about on this podcast every week if you're listening to this and you're like hey i, I enjoy this podcast then i guarantee you you'll enjoy the book um i think when we talked it was available for download but it wasn't available as a hard copy um you can now go on amazon look up bombs to trails uh by jessica and you're going to be able to find a hard copy of that book um so yeah check that out uh and as most of us are in ultra running or you know various endurance events most people are not professional athletes. Uh, Jessica is a PE teacher, an elementary school PE teacher. Uh, she's a mom. She's a busy, busy human being. So I think just as like a, like an extra inspiration, just kind of hearing about how she makes this all work and balances everything in her life is, is really, really fascinating. So, uh, yeah, this is a good one. Let's start off 2022. Um, Man, 2021, <laughs> that was, there were some rough spots in 2021. Uh, just a personal note, we, we ended the year uh, up in my neck of the woods uh, on the front range with this incredibly devastating, horrific uh, grass fire that ended up burning a thousand homes in Louisville, Colorado. Um, one of my absolute best friends his whole entire neighborhood was completely wiped out, uh, completely. Um, and that's not exaggeration. Um, every house there is gone and, and all of that. Uh, and thankfully him and his family were out of town. They were completely out of harm's way in that sense. Um, but man, just the amount of stress and, and all of that, that was put on, the people who, who lived up there, it's, it's horrible. Um, but it is uplifting to see, like, I, I had to give a talk to our staff. It was one of my fellow teachers. Um, I had to give a talk to our staff about like an update or whatever. And just the outpouring of goodness and the outpouring of support and just people wanting to support was completely, it gave me chills. Um, so, and, and you know what it made me realize is like, Hey, there's, this was obviously like a horrible situation, like a devastating, like out of nowhere disaster and just the outpouring of the community coming together and helping, 
Um, I th I think like communities everywhere could come together and help out people in need. There are people in need in every single community uh, in the country and in the world. And um, I think the outpouring of love and kindness has been, it's really made me realize like, oh, like we could be doing this all the time for people, you know, and we should. And, and yeah. So anyways, if you, if you were able to support my friend, uh, I truly, truly, or anybody in Louisville in that instance, but I, I truly appreciate it. Um, it was, it was really awesome to see that people who, you know, weren't even like, they didn't even know they were just, Hey, like, here's a person in need. And then I'm going to help out in some way. Like people were reaching out to us who had no idea they had never met my friend or anything like that. Or so, yeah, anyways, uh, I am really hopeful for 2022. I have a lot of big ambitions, big goals, big, hopefully big adventures coming up. Um, and I hope you guys do too. Uh, so yeah, 2021, just in my community where I am school community slash like, you know, just community at large. It was, it was definitely, there were moments of, of roughness and, and stuff. So I'm, I'm really hopeful and optimistic for the next year and let's get it kicked off with an awesome, awesome interview. Awesome podcast. Um, episode number 283 with Jessica Bacari. inspiring runner adventurer uh pe teacher mom all that stuff so i'm really really excited to sit down and chat with you yeah no likewise thank you so much for having me i really really appreciate being here yeah i, I gotta ask you this first since we do have the connection of being teachers um so has there been any surprising lessons from like adventure or ultra running that you've taken into the classroom um, absolutely. Um, number one, just roll with the punches <laughs> yep. at any minute, something can change. <laughs> um, but also, um, since I teach PE, I really, really, um, enjoy like the running aspect. I started a running club. Um, I just want to bring fitness, you know, to my students, regardless of what um, sport it is, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I feel like I picked the right teaching career. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's so many just parallels though. And you're right. It is just the expect the unexpected part because it's like one period or, or whatever you have one group, you could do a lesson and it goes perfectly. And then the next period, you're just like, why, why did that all go South very fast? Right. No, I agree. Yeah. And then you just kind of have to figure out how to change it to make it work right in the moment. Sometimes it, it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then yeah. you just come back the next day and you know, start all over again. Yeah. The fresh start. Do you just give your kids like goo gels, you know, like, Hey, just <laughs> yeah, have a gel. <laughs> one more lap here. Have a, have a, have a gel. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, what got you into teaching just to start? Um, actually I was in the, I served in the military for four years. Um, I was a medic and being in the army, a lot of times you have to give classes Oh, yeah. So, right. Yeah. And it's not like you can really say no sometimes. Yeah. And so um, I just remember um, just teaching a few medical classes. And I was like, wow, I really, really like this, especially when the other soldiers would actually get it. Yeah. And then I had my own kids and, you know, I fell in love with with kids. And so why not fitness, you know? So. Yeah. And there's that moment, too, as a teacher where they do get it. And you, you can almost see the light bulb go off and that's, I don't know how to describe it for people who aren't teachers, but it's like, that part is what keeps bringing you back like all the time. And just, you know, you feel like you're making a difference. Like it's really obvious that you're in there making a difference for the kids, uh, which is awesome. Any, like, uh, like any, <laughs> like your first year of teaching, did you have any experiences that uh, were unexpected or, or anything like that? Um, so my first three years teaching, we were actually stationed in Texas because my husband's still active duty. Um, the most unexpected things would just be animals coming no <laughs> into way. the PE area. <laughs> no. We've had um, like house birds, um, 
a cat there was this cat chasing this little mouse and it kept the students entertained for a while um <laughs> dogs i'm i mean just yeah pretty insane nothing just i would expect they'll just run out on the field right yeah we had um we had a a bird fly over the students and the door was open to the school and it just went right inside into the kindergarten classroom <laughs> so that was pretty interesting oh my goodness and then everyone turns to you like well all the kids are like we'll get this get this bird out miss bakari and you're like i'm not i don't know how to do that right exactly that's crazy. just go back to your classrooms it'll it must get, it must be something with pe because we've had like a snake in the gym mm -hmm. like a giant like I don't even know what, what kind of isn't, it wasn't a rattlesnake, but it was a huge freaky looking snake just right. roaming around. You're like, this is on a basketball court. What is going on? Exactly. Oh man, that's crazy. Well, I wanted to invite you on. I, I know you have spent probably a lot of work over the last year or so, uh, writing this book, um, bombs to trails. Um, and I'm very excited to dig into it. Um, as soon I was telling you, I'm finishing a couple other books right now. Um, but I have it queued up. So I, I kind of want to hear, I want to hear your story um, of like what led you up to where you are now. And I know a lot of your book probably also kind of tells your story as you go. Right. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I got into ultra running um, in 2016. Well, 2015, I ran my first 50K. And then uh, 2016, I ran my first 100 miler. And then I just really enjoyed seeing how, how much I can push my body and also my mental limits. And then it just kind of was like a roller coaster from there. Um, from there in 2018, I did the triple crown of 200s. And even from there, I was like, how, how much further can I push myself, you know, mentally and physically? And so um, it kind of led me to the PCT. I'd been wanting to do it for over 10 years, but with my husband being active duty, we move around a lot. So timing was pretty much everything. Um, but I, I didn't really, I wasn't trying to set a record or anything like that. I just wanted to do it. But then I started learning more about FKTs and I was like, you know what? I think this is something that I want to do. It'll give me more of a reason to push myself even further, you know, yeah. than just completing the trail itself. So I started doing my research and, you know, there's a female um, record holder heading from the Mexican um, monument to the Northern monument in Canada. And that's Heather Anderson. And she said it in 60 days, but then I started looking at the southbound record and I was like, there's only one name heading southbound everyone goes in a traditional you know the traditional style from you know heading south yeah. going north i was like i want to i want to be i want to do it differently yeah and then i'm from washington state so i was like this is perfect yeah. you know i can i can i can visit family and then they can drive me to the monument and at the time my husband was deployed and you know i have three kids so it was sort of like juggling like can i really do this you know will my kids be, you know, watched for and cared for while I was on the yeah. trail. So, um, yeah, the, the record starting from the Canadian border, um, to the Mexican border is 64 days, 11 hours, 19 minutes. And so I wanted, I wanted to go after that. And that was set by Scott Williamson. And so what, what is it like, why do you think not as many people go that opposite direction? Um, really it's, it's the weather. Yeah. Um, when I started the trail, there was just so much snow. The trail was under snow in Washington and, um, maybe one person had hiked through, but I'm not hundred percent sure there were some tracks when I was, when I was trying to find my way, but they were like so faint. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so usually people start, you know, towards the Mexican border because by the time they get to Washington, all of that is, is melted away. And also you beat all the heat of California. Yeah. So you would end in the desert, like right when it's super hot. Right. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. <laughs> and so do you have like intimidation with, you know, heading up to the Canadian border and then heading down and like not seeing any other tracks or anything like that? Um, it was very intimidating. Um, something I'd never done before. Um, in fact, you know, if it wasn't for 
um, you know, being able to actually follow a trail on my phone. I had, yeah. I had a map on there. Yeah. Um, there was no way I could do it just because there was no trail to see in, in a lot of areas. Um, it was just me and like in the middle of, you know, <laughs> like I had the whole woods to myself basically. Yeah. Which sounds super peaceful, but there is that little bit in your mind. That's probably like, don't get lost. Don't, you know, don't get off the trail or anything like that. Right. Exactly. Plus, um, you know, you're climbing so much that if you slipped, um, you know, it would be a long way down in some areas. So I, I traversed, um, a lot of the beginning section with crampons and an ice axe. Okay. So, and also starting, um, at the Canadian border, the, the trail itself is 2,650 miles, but, um, you have to start from Hearts Pass and add an additional 30 miles just to get to the start. So it adds that extra challenge. You know, you have to carry extra food for those few yeah. days. Yeah. So. That's what they don't tell you when you're <laughs> right. like, when you first are like, I'm going to do PCD. And they're like, not, well, you also have to add 30 more miles. And you're like, oh, really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> just if you start, you know, nor, um, at the Northern Monument. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So when like can you take us back like when did you first you said you had been wanting to do it for 10 years when did you first when did it get on your radar um actually it was in 2019 um my husband and i we were just talking about trails we have a friend that does a lot of uh, backpacking yeah and so talking with him kind of got me excited and then talking with my husband, he's like, you know, this coming gear would be absolutely perfect. We're actually in an area where are settled for a little bit where we're not going to be moving. Yeah. Um, so if you want to go for it, go for it. And just having his support and knowing that, you know, I, there's a possibility that I could attempt this. Um, I, I was like, all right, let's do it. And yeah. so that's when I started prepping and everything. And then I had, um, tons tons of research i did tons of research i started a google spreadsheet and um and then a few months after i had actually gotten my pass my permits we found out he was deploying so then it was it was a lot of back and forth like should i do this yeah um do i really want to leave my kids i hadn't been away from them you know for this long before and so you know, I kind of felt really bad and kind of selfish in a way, like, I'm, cause I'm doing this for myself, basically, you know, I'm going to yeah. go hike this and they have to stay back. So what, what is the, what do those conversations look like? Like with your kids? They, so my kids are pretty adventurous too. Yeah. They're like, we know what mom has done. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they're really, really supportive. Um, and at the time they're, you know, eight, nine and 10. So they're pretty young. Yeah. They don't, they didn't really grasp the whole idea of what I was actually doing or like, you know, I'm going to be away for this long, but I think they're having their dad deploy previously. They, Mm -hmm. they're sort of, you know, they've sort of grown used to, you know, a parent being away. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, so when you're out there and you're going along, um, how do you handle the thoughts of like, missing your kids, you know, like that. I just feel like that that's tough. Um, I've only done a couple adventures where I'm gone for like a week, you know, but even in that time, you're like, Oh, like that, that's kind of like a hard part to deal with as a parent that I think people who, uh, haven't like aren't parents or don't have that experience. Like maybe they don't fully grasp like what that feels like. Right. I think um, if anything, it motivated me to keep going, yeah. um, to push a little harder. You know, the sooner I get this over with, the sooner I can see them. Yeah. And also, um, thank God for techno- for technology or thank goodness for technology, because yeah. um, once I got to Oregon, I seemed like there was a lot of areas where I did have service. So yeah. I was able to FaceTime with them and, you know, send them messages and talk with them. So that really, really helped me. Yeah. in the process, but it was really difficult to be away from them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure <clears throat> any like, were you like throughout all of Washington, all of Oregon, like, are you pretty confident in your plan or, you know, like, are you putting in the miles you need to put in and all that stuff? Um, so 
the start of Washington just completely put me behind just yeah. with all of the snow. Yeah. Um, like it That's was, was going to say that has to be dangerous. Right. Like not only are you traversing snow and barely seeing a trail, but you're trying to do it fast. Right. Exactly. Um, cause there would be some days where I would only get, you know, I'd get less than 30 miles in. Yeah. And in order to beat the record, I would need to average over 42 miles. And so it was really, um, disheartening, I guess you could yeah. say, because I would give it all I had and it would take me like an hour to go a mile just because, you know, you're post holing, you're, you know, and you're having to find your way, you're having to find your way on the trail. And I have my, my uh, maps out and, and the whole time, I, you know, you also think like, man, if there was a trail, I would have been, I would have been up and yeah. over this section in, in no time. Yeah. And then well, also, sorry, also, oh. um, trail maintenance hadn't been out you know on these trails clearing the clearing the way so you're so going over stuff and yeah you're going you're climbing <laughs> over trees climbing under trees going all the way around um and then having to come back and it's just physically exhausting yeah oh my gosh yeah that plus post holing i mean post holing just by itself is can you describe post holing for people so, who haven't had that experience right post holing um it's I guess you could describe it as like quicksand because <laughs> you take one step and your foot just sinks down into the snow and then you have to like lift your leg up and take another step. And it's just so exhausting. Plus you have a pack on, you know, that weighs who knows how many pounds, but it's, it's just really, really exhausting. It's the most exhaust. I think like if you add in everything that you could do in an adventure, post holing is up there at most exhausting thing right. of all time. It's the worst. Yeah. It's not enjoyable at all. <laughs> it's not. And then sometimes you get snow with like the thinnest layer of ice at the top. Mm -hmm. So not only are you post holing, but then that layer of ice just cuts like your leg right. as you're in there and you're like, this is not, this is what am I doing? Like, what did I sign up for? Exactly. Um, what do you, do you like consciously have any um strategies for like dealing with frustrations like that or are you just kind of the mindset of like hey i gotta take whatever the trail gives me exactly take whatever it gets me and just be um really optimistic that once you make it past this area the next area is going to be better even though sometimes you get to that area and you're like this is worse <laughs> this is that, that that it can only get better from here uh yeah like yeah, yeah exactly i just um every every pass i would climb i would just tell myself the next pass is going to be better the next yeah. pass is going to be better and then you yeah. get to that pass you're like one of these days i'm going to be out of the snow <laughs> I'm going to be right one of these days, what not today, <laughs> not today, but one right. of these days. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh. Well, and it's such a, like, it's such a gigantic goal. Like, you know, they always say like, Hey, how do you, what is the saying? Like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And that kind of thing. And you're like, that's great. But when you're doing like a 2000 mile trail and you're on day two, like, it's just, that has to be a hard mindset to kind of, uh, adapt. Right. Um, so I, I sort of, I took it state by state and then section by section. And what really helped me was, um, you know, doing those 200 mile races where the aid stations would be, yeah. you know, 20 miles apart. And so I was just like, I would focus on the day and I would set a goal for that day. So I would pick a campsite. Like my goal today is to make it to this campsite. Um, and then that would be my day. I would just focus on that. Sometimes there were even restrooms along the trail. And that was my goal to make it to an actual restroom. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, that would make my day yes. <laughs> not having to go in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> the little conveniences along the right. way. Um, yeah. I do. I did want to talk a little bit about the 200 mile races that you've done. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I guess we, let's just jump into that right now. And then we'll get back to the PCT. Um, okay. what, so you did the triple crown and you did very, very well. You got first place at Moab. You got first, did you get first in like the whole triple crown experience? Um, for the females. Okay. The females, right. Yeah. And then so, I think it was, I was like fourth overall. Okay. So which one was your first one? Was it Bigfoot? It was Bigfoot. So right. what, what in your mind, like building up to a hundred miler, 
doing ultra running for a few years, like what made you, what drew you to a big challenge, like a 200 miler? Um, honestly, I really <laughs> like sort of the puzzle aspect of it. Like, where should I leave my aid bags? What should I put in my aid bags? Um, yeah. Also just the mental challenge, like, you know, can I really do this? And then, um, me- just mentally and physically, I just wanted, I wanted to challenge myself more than, you know, a, a hundred miler. Um, and I don't know, just pushing my body as much as I could, you know, to yeah. its limits. And so, um, with Bigfoot, it was, it was a total shock. You know, I never, I never stayed up past 24 hours before and I made it to about 32, I think. And that was, that was all new to me. That was just new terrain, new everything to me. You know, yeah. how, how is your body going to react to the miles you're asking it to do? How's your mind going to react? You know? Yeah. So. How did, how did those things react? Um, I was in a lot of physical pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just my feet hurt. Everything else was fine, but my feet ache so bad. And then mentally, um, it's just a roller coaster. You know, yeah. you go through all the emotions, like, can I really do this? And then you're like, I can do this. It's just mentally exhausting. Yeah. When does, do the actual, like you take breaks during the 200 milers kind of ish. I don't know how you would describe these breaks, but like, there's a little more downtime than a hundred miler, uh, from what I've been told from people. Um, do your feet actually feel better after that? Or is it just like, once they start hurting, it hurts the rest of the way. Um, so for me, I'm a grab and go type of racer, so I don't really sit. Yeah. Um, but it would just like my feet would throb and then they would stop throbbing and then they would hurt again. And it was just like constant, like on and off. Yeah. Um, pain. Okay. And then do you get used to that by the time you're doing the Moab? Like you do Tahoe then, and then you go to Moab. Like, are you just kind of used to how that feels by that point? Um, yeah. Uh, well they, like my feet still hurt, my body still ached, but I felt like with each race I was getting stronger. Okay. And, and I don't know if that's just, um, you know, you push your body to certain thresholds and then you know what that feels like. So then you're like, I'm going to push it a little bit further. You know what that feels like. And then it's, you keep going. Yeah. Um, so I felt like when I got to, to Moab that, you know, my feet hurting and my body hurting, it came on a lot later than the other two races. And then Moab, you're like, were you competing in all of them? And then Moab just worked out really well and you got first or, or, or were you like, by the time you got to Moab, you had confidence and you're like, I'm just going to go for it. Um, honestly, I felt like I had the same strategy going into each race with Tahoe. I got, I got pretty sick and I actually slept for like eight hours. Nice. (laughs) Um, but going into Moab, um, the Tahoe race, like really fueled me. Like I wanted it more just because I had gotten sick at Tahoe, you know, and, and I didn't want to repeat. Yeah. So it actually, um, the last night was really, really cold there. And a lot of people ended up stopping and sleeping for the night because it was just so cold. Luckily I had um, a support crew there and I just loaded my jacket up with heat warmers and <laughs> kept pushing. Just like putting them in the sleeves. I put them every, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, yeah. that's uh, so can you kind of tell us like, I'm super interested in 200 milers. My right. buddy, I'm every time, like, I feel like Every time I've talked to somebody on the podcast about it, I'm like, I want them to like peer pressure me into actually like, like facing my intimidation because it seems so intimidating. Um, but you've done those three and you did the Franklin's 200, which right. is that in Tennessee? Is that right? Uh, that's in El Paso, Texas. El- oh, okay. Gotcha. Right. Um, so can you kind of like, just give everybody an idea? Like what's, what's like a brief kind of difference between Bigfoot, Tahoe, Moab, Franklin's, like, I'm sure they're all like have their own different like flavor. Right. So Bigfoot is, is pretty woodsy. Um, it has the most climbing out of the three of the triple crown. And for me, I'm kind of biased. I felt like, I felt like it was the most beautiful course, but I'm from Washington. Yeah. I was wondering, uh, there was nice starting in the home state, huh? Right. Exactly. 
Um, Tahoe is also really pretty. Um, you kind of get a, a mix of woods and then you got the beautiful lakes and stuff there. Yeah. Um, and that's my husband's favorite one. <laughs> so we argue a lot about which one's better. Why um, did he run it too? He ran the Tahoe one. No way. Okay. So, um, why was it his favorite one? He's, he thought that, um, as far as the climbing goes, it wasn't as in, intense on paper yeah. as Bigfoot is. And then he just is in love with Tahoe itself. Yeah. And that's cool. Like you go around the whole entire lake. I'm like, that <laughs> right. has to be pretty cool. Cause that mm-hmm. thing's gigantic. And then Moab, um, it's, <clears throat> it's pretty deserty there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's the flattest of the three. So you actually, um, move. I felt, I felt like I moved a lot quicker there just because it was, you know, there's less climbing. There is climbing though, (laughs) but it's less. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want someone to be going like, wait a second. Right. Jessica said it was not (laughs) no climbing. Yeah. And I forget the mountain we climbed, but there was a lot of snow there too. Yeah. They're up into the LaSalle's and sometimes isn't that in like September, October or something like the snow could be up there potentially. Yeah. Um, And then what's Franklin's like? So Franklin is all desert. There's like no trees there. Um, Cactus. and Yeah. Just as like you would think a desert would be, except for the mountain range there. Um, It's gorgeous. In fact, we were stationed in El Paso. Um, so I ran a lot of that mountain range. So I already knew yeah. I, I did a um, hundred miler there also. And, oh, and cool. so I really knew the course yeah. and I, I knew what I was getting myself into. That's but, so um, yeah, I really, really enjoy that mountain range. Probably yeah. the most out of all four. Really? Okay, right. sweet. But, um, I, I actually, I'm eyeing like a, a stage race in Texas also. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I've never been to Texas. I'm like, yeah. well, what better way to go there then? <laughs> yeah. So, um, last year was the last 200 that, uh, trail racing over Texas. Um, they did it, you know, that they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate, but I know that there are, there's a hundred K coming up or next year, I believe like same area, same area, same mountain range. And, um, what I enjoyed about the 200 there was it was, um, it was just loops. So if you like stage races, you might, you might enjoy that. Yeah. It's like 50 K loops. Nice. Nice. Um, so all that though, like that experience kind of builds up and now you have confidence and you're taking on the PCT. Um, I know your book is at least from just the description that I've read right now is it sounds like it's a really personal story. Like it kind of like you, I mean, you, I, I imagine like you can't help, but think back on your life as you're hiking through the woods by yourself, you know? Right. Um, and, and for, and for me, um, a lot of times when I'm running, I sort of zone out. I don't know if you do that. Oh yeah. (laughs) I don't think about anything at (laughs) all. Like people are, people ask me like, Oh, what do you think about? And I'm like, nothing. (laughs) I'm like, I get like a five second part of a song in my head and then that'll just go on repeat for hours. Exactly. (laughs) So I found, I found that with hiking, um, it was completely different. You know, I'm not, I'm not really just running, 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 you know, I'm hiking, so I'm walking. And so it it gave me a lot of time to process, um, past, um, scenarios in my mind. Um, like I have PTSD from when I was a medic in the military from treating, you know, wounded soldiers. And so before I would just bury everything. And so running also kind of helped because it didn't allow me to think about anything, but I found that with hiking, everything was just coming out left and right. You know, I don't have any, I didn't have any distractions. I didn't have a, you know, technology to turn to, or, you know, my kids or just, you know, the, the real world, I guess you could say nothing to to distract me. So what did you find through, like, I guess, allowing yourself space to like process some of that? Um, I found acceptance, um, before I was in denial that, you know, I, that I am, am still suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, but, um, in actually accepting that I do have PTSD, it has allowed me to get, you know, the help that I need to seek out therapy. And, and so I felt like the trail really, really helped me learn, learn more about myself. Um, like I said, process things and also learn more about my heritage. Um, I've never felt so connected to the earth and to nature um, 
than I, you know, ever had before I started hiking. Yeah. When, um, I guess, so you, you kind of mentioned like maybe just not fully accepting like the, like the idea that you had PTSD. Do you think that a lot of people find that like maybe, because I have to imagine it's kind of like a spectrum of like different experiences and different like intensities with it. Um, do you think, cause there's always like, you know, like I must not have this because this person over here has it like worse than me or whatever. And, and so you kind of push off that, like, you know, it, like even with like depression, like some, you can have depression and then, but then look at someone else and be like, oh, well, they're obviously depressed. Like I must not have it. Um, do you feel like people are kind of experiencing that? And this whole thing kind of allowed you to be like, oh, maybe like I do have this at my own personal individual level. Right, exactly. Um, so it took me 10 years to even admit that I had PTSD yeah. just because of, for that reason, because I'm like, well, my experience seems so minuscule compared to other people. Like there's no way that I have this, not at all. You know, there's other people that their life experiences just far outweigh what, what I went through. Yeah. And so a lot of it, it, a lot of it was denial. And also I was really proud, proud to admit that I actually had a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious on your thoughts about this. Um, I went out and filmed a stage race this summer. Uh, we didn't park, we weren't running in it, but we were out there as like a film crew and it was a small group of people. It was like 25 and, uh, and I, I've done the race before. And I love the fact that like this community like comes together and it's like a beautiful thing. Um, and this year running it, like, I think out of the 25, almost half, if not more, were all veterans. Um, and I was just curious your perspective on like, do you think ultra running speaks to veterans and, and why do you think it, it possibly does? Um, I think it does. It's, I think, uh, for me, it just, it allows you to, um, process whatever you had, you know, you've gone through previously. Um, and it's also, I feel it's a positive outlet, um, most veterans, at least for me, we have, you know, we've lost friends uh, to suicide because um, either, you know, from overdoses or they turn alcohol or they just take their lives. So I feel like um, ultra running is a positive outlet. And I wish more of my fellow veterans, you know, would, would look into it. Yeah. I know talking to a few people who did that race, they talked about finding like the running community um, and there was one guy in particular, he was a part of, uh, team red, white, and blue, which is like a running group for veterans. Have you heard of it? I'm, I'm on the, the team too. Nice. <laughs> so All right. And what's cool is any, any veteran, um, <clears throat> even spouses can, um, can join. Um, and most, most cities have a team RWB, um, you know, within the city and there's websites and stuff, and there's always some type of run or event that they're putting on every week. So yeah. 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 And then for him, it like, it was such a big part of just his experience and his connection with running and like it, for him, it was just all about the community, like knowing that there's people out there. And when you run, you can open up and you can talk to people. Like you mentioned opening up to yourself, but you're also, when you're with other people, you're, you're doing that with other people as well. And you're kind of talking about things at a deeper level. Right. I think. Um, but I just think it's such a positive thing and would like, just based on the experiences I was hearing, like would recommend people to kind of like look into that. Um, but yeah, I not, think, I wonder if part of it is the aspect of the, like a community. Uh, no, I agree a hundred percent. Um, and the, it's just the camaraderie too, you know, and I've met some very incredible people just from ultra running, um, you know, you, you're sort of given the opportunity, you kind of kick back and you can hike, walk, yeah. jog, talk, however, whatever you need to do to get, to get yourself through it. But I always find that um, I always find myself, you know, conversing with others. Yeah. And you see people at their best and then their lowest moments and all that stuff. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it bonds you. Um, can you expand a little bit more on uh, 
being more connected to like your heritage? Um, so I'm, uh, my, my mom's Blackfeet. Um, she was born and raised in Montana. And my, my dad, he's uh, Mexican from Mexico and they met in Washington. And, and so culture has always been a confusing aspect for me growing up just because I didn't grow, I, di I didn't grow up, you know, in the Blackfeet culture. And I also didn't grow up, you know, with my dad. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I learned that it really doesn't matter what my background, my back, my background is, um, just, you know, being in nature, it just, it just brings out something that's really, really difficult to explain in you. You know, you're just so connected to, you feel so connected to everything, regardless of your background. Yeah. Did you find that it took, it takes a few days or weeks to like really get to that point where you feel that connection? Um, I would say <laughs> for me, I felt really connected um, probably like the second day <laughs> I was on the trail, nice. just there's so much going on and, and a lot of, um, th you know, things I've never done before, like, um, camp overnight by myself for more than one day or, yeah. um, traversing snow with crampons. I'd never even put on crampons before the trail. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, uh, you're just, I feel like you're just more open to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, so your journey continues on the PCT. Um, and I don't know if you want to spoiler alert your own book. So <laughs> this is where we, we say you can either tell us the rest of the story on the podcast or, or people can go, uh, pick up bombs to trails. Right. Um, I don't mind sharing a little bit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. 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 We'll, we'll leave them on a cliffhanger. Okay. Sounds good. So I was on a cliff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, I, I think the trail, it was really, really challenging physically and mentally. Um, there's a lot of things that it put me through that I like had no idea would happen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's fires in California. I got really sick in Oregon. Um, I actually got Giardia in Oregon. And then just Washington with all the snow, I, I just felt like every state had, <laughs> had given me something that, you know, was challenging yeah. or challenged me. Yeah. Every state was like throwing a haymaker at you, basically. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I can't wait to get out of Washington. Oregon's going to be better. And then Oregon was not better. <laughs> I, was like, I can't wait to get out of Oregon. California is going to be amazing. So. And then the fires. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Well, I want to hear a little bit about like the process of writing the book. Well, um, can you compare like, I mean, is it even comparable ultra running long distance hiking, like FK trying to set an FKT to sitting down trying to write a book? Like, I feel uh, like writing a book would be a huge challenge. Uh, it's a challenge just because I'm like, okay, have time. I could either write yeah. or I can go on the trail and run. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a lot of battling, like, should I do this or that? Mm -hmm. But, um, I knew going into the hike, I wanted to write something. And so a friend who writes suggested that, um, I just record every day on the trail, how it went, because I would have my phone with me anyways. Yeah. So I, I have a voice recording for every single day I was on oh, the trail. So cool. you know? Or if something would happen, I would just like pull out my phone and I just start talking like, oh my gosh, this just happened. And I would like talk about how I feel. And um, so it was kind of like my own type of therapy. Yeah. I, I love that because um, you learn those lessons along the way. And so often the lessons go in, like you, they're really apparent in the moment. You're like, whoa, I just had like, I just like discovered something new about myself. Um, but without the recording or without journaling them or, or actually like recording yourself, those lessons sometimes go, they just fade away. And, but by recording these, you can always go back and, and listen to them and really, really kind of like start inhabiting the lessons that you learned along the way, which is awesome. And then by writing, I'm sure it's even more so. Right. Yeah. Exactly. How cool does it feel like hold a copy of the book though? Uh, so I'll get my first paperback copy today. <laughs> what? That's today? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So I'm really, really excited. Um, 
yeah, I put the ebook out first. Oh, that's right. Like, yeah. Okay. This is ready. And then yeah. the paperback, um, the editor I'm working with suggested that I wait till I have it in my own hands and I like everything. And then, yeah. so hopefully today I can publish the paperback. We'll see. Man, that is so cool. I, it just, to see your work like up on a bookshelf and be like, that wouldn't exist without me like doing this work. And right. people, I mean, can you kind of talk to uh, the idea of like, just the amount of work that would go into that. Like, cause people don't see that. They always just see the final, the final product, but they don't see all the hours and hours you put in. Oh yeah. Like it would take me sometimes a week <clears throat> just to write a chapter. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so much, you know, just from writing, I would write some stuff on paper and then you're typing and then you're going back and then you have to edit. And then you remember, you remember something and then you go back and you add it. It's just, um, it's, and it's taken me a good year just to finish. Um, yeah. so ton, I don't know, tons and tons of hours and days spent yeah. lots of hard work. Was it the same, like one step at a time, like one day at a time kind of mentality? Oh, exactly. Like the yeah. trail, right? Yeah. I'm like today I'm going to finish chapter one, no matter <laughs> what I'm going to stay here. I'm going to finish chapter one. Yeah. And then I would, um, I would do the same, you know, create small goals for myself. Like by the end of the month, you yeah. know, I'm going to be this far. I'm going to be out of Washington. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, was it also kind of a, like COVID locks down everything, the world changes, there's extra time. I know I had extra time. Was it, was that, did that play a factor of like, Hey, now I might actually have, like, I have an opportunity here if I take it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. <clears throat> um, you know, with COVID, we were at home and, you know, my, my, um, my kids were here too. So that was, that made it a little bit challenging because I also had to work and help them with school, uh -huh. but just having more time to get this done, you know, yeah. it, that really helped. Yeah. I became a kindergarten teacher. So I feel a little bit of, of the elementary, usually I'm a seventh grade teacher, but then my kids school got shut down. I'm like, I'm a kindergarten teacher now also. <laughs> Right. And teaching one kid who's your own is way harder than teaching hundreds of other people's kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and plus I'm like, you know, we can't just do PE all day kids. <laughs> no, I know. I want to like, right. obviously I, I would do in the morning. I would be like, okay. I would pretend I was dropping her off at school. I'm like, dad, dad is leaving and teacher dad is here now. And it's different. You got to right. listen to teacher dad. <laughs> it kind of worked. I don't know. I don't know. Right, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, so, um, just to kind of wrap up here, um, first of all, where can people find the book right now? Uh, you mentioned there's an online version and then if people right. wanted to wait, cause I'll probably actually end up putting this out in January. So, Oh, so it'll be out already. <clears throat> Perfect. So where are people going to um, be? Able to order? So for the, for the eBooks, uh, Amazon and Goodreads, and then for the paperback Amazon. Nice. And, and also, then, um, my website adventures on the trails.com. Nice. And then when people read it, leave reviews because yes, I know that please. always helps. I know. Yeah, no, please I know that reviews. please re leave reviews. Um, that's awesome. Well, so I have one more thing here. I don't know if you've ever seen this. <clears throat> this is uh, by Semi-Rad. I don't know if you ever read his blog, but you should because it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's all about adventure and ultra running. And he does these little graphs and they like are always hilarious and pertinent. But he did the periodic table of adventure. So like each part has, and you can't see it, but each part has like, you know, um, different like friction and lightning and sweats and all that stuff. Um, what would you add to after all of your adventures? Like, what would you add to the periodic table of adventures? Like what's one element that you really, besides Giardia, obviously. Chaos. <laughs> chaos. All right. I'm going to see if it's on here. I'll have to look to see if chaos needs to be on here. It oh my should God. Be on there. That should be the number one. <laughs> yeah. Chaos in ultra running, chaos in hiking, chaos. <laughs> chaos in camping with kids. Yes. Yeah, all that. Awesome. Well, Jessica, where can people kind of like follow your journey and all that stuff? Um, my website, adventuresonthetrail.com or Instagram, just Jessica Picari. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking y with you. Yeah. Have a good holidays and all that fun stuff. Thank you.
All right, that wraps up the first show of 2022. Um, Thanks to Jessica for coming on the podcast. Like I said in the intro, be sure to check out her book, Bombs to Trails, um, Interweaving Heritage, Life, and PTSD on the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, If you like the podcast, you're going to like the book. Um, It kind of dives into the aspects of adventure and endurance that I find intriguing, which is kind of the human story and the uh, like personal development um, and kind of these realizations that you have along the way. Um, so yeah, go support Jessica. She's awesome. Um, she hopefully has a lot of incredible adventures lined up for this year. Um, and I hope you guys are out there and I hope you're starting to kind of think about like, Hey, like what can I accomplish this year? We all have 365 days, uh, in the year. So, so what can I do with my time? You know, what can I do that will make me feel accomplished, you know, at the end of next year. Um, and you know, there's, I, there's a funny, um, semi rad, uh, drawing that kind of always makes me smile, uh, because you know, there's, there's kind of this like idea that maybe new year's resolutions, like resolutions aren't the best because people don't tend to, uh, they don't tend to like actually stick with them, you know? Uh, but there's a, a semi-rad <laughs> drawing that Brendan did that basically, um, I mean, I, I can just post it, but it's like two different graphs and one is just new year comma. And then the red part is new you. And it's like amount of change required is like so significantly like impossible to like actually accomplish that change. Um, and then there's new year. And then in blue, it's like a small but more attainable resolution that will enable you to continue in a positive direction rather than starting the year with a big failure and then giving up. (laughs) And it's like the amount of change is just like a slow progression, slow daily thing. Um, And it kind of reminds me. So my daughter, my oldest daughter had started hockey last spring. She had like six practices and then she really started this year and you know, it was, there were times that were, it was tough. It was tough to watch because you just wanted to go out there and help her or, you know, cause skating is a big thing. Like you just, you just have to do it. You have to go, you have to be exposed to like time on the skates to like, just get used to it. And for the first, probably I would say like eight, eight or nine practices, skating was really difficult for her still. And you have all these other kids who, I mean, I'm like, dude, do they start when they're like three? Like my mind is blown and they're just like zooming around everywhere and all this stuff. And, you know, as a parent, you kind of like put your own emotions out there or like you almost like you're watching your kid play a sport from afar and you're like putting your own emotions on them. Like, oh man, she has to be like embarrassed or, or anxious or like, you know, stressed or all, or hating this or whatever. And, and then she'd come off the ice and she would most of the time, not always, but most of the time just have like a big smile on her face. And you're like, Oh, like she didn't know. She didn't notice. Like it was hard. She kept trying. She got a little bit better. Um, and that's all she really notices. So, um, and then from that, just staying persistent with it. And, you know, there's that instinct of like, you know, wanting to protect them from doing something that's challenging. Like it's hard for them. Oh my gosh. Like I want life to not be hard for them. But, but like being persistent, like you're going to push through this and, you know, and to find that joy that she's received from pushing through it. And now she's skating a bit better and, you know, really liking it, like loving the time. Like I know for me and hopefully I'm hoping to do a hockey episode in the future. Um, some of you guys are like, well, I will, is this about a hockey, like ultra merit? Like you're going to skate for like a 50 K no. Um, but I'm planning on doing a hockey episode hopefully. And the thing I want to say is like when I played as a kid and even now when I put skates on, like it's this weird, almost like it's hard to even express like the freedom that you feel like you're zooming back and forth. You're like, it's just hard to kind of like describe the feeling of that motion. But for me, it's like, whoa, this is complete and total like 
freedom. Like I forget about everything else. Like it's just feeling that movement of the skates, like just takes me into that moment. And, you know, if that's something that I can, that my kid wants to do, then I'm like, dude, that would be super cool to kind of be able to like go out and go skating with them, you know? Um, but I, all this to be said to link to new year's goals or whatever, I tell her every practice, I'm like, Hey, what's, what's like, what's your goal? What are you trying to achieve? And there's always two things. One is have fun. Number one. And then two is get a little bit better. I'm like, you just got to get a little bit better. You don't even have to get like, it's not like you have to take these giant leaps and bounds. Like you just have to take tiny little baby steps at, towards a goal or towards improvement at whatever you're trying to do and just do that. And like, if that's your goal, every time you go out and do something, whether that's like a new year's resolution workout, or you're just trying to like learn an instrument, if you're just trying to get a little bit better during the time you're practicing or, or training or whatever, um, you're eventually going to get a lot better if you just stick with it and you're just consistent. So, um, I think that is, that is so huge. Um, and I know in the intro talking about my friend in Louisville, like I just, I really appreciate, um, the, the, I appreciate like the fact that like when a human sees someone else in need, they like go out and they want to help. Like, I appreciate that so much. That's incredible. Um, and I think to link with like what Jessica was talking about with PTSD, um, a lot of times, and maybe not even just PTSD, but a lot of emotions, like a lot of times people are going through hardship. Like you just don't like, you don't always see it, you know? Like people tend to want to kind of hide the fact that they're going through a rough time. Um, and I've done it. Like I'm sure people out there have, who are listening have done it as well. Like it's almost easier to j just not tell people you're having a hard time. Like, Oh, how, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing pretty good. You know, versus like, no man, I'm struggling mentally. <laughs> um, because that kind of just opens up. I don't know. I don't know why people kind of want to hide that away because once you, once you actually like express how you're feeling, it's that relief release of pressure on yourself because you're like, Oh, I, I, I kind of shared the load somewhat and someone else knows that I'm going through this and they can, you know, check in on me and stuff like that. Um, but I just think it's important to understand that like, Hey, like we want to help, like people want to help. And if you're going through a tough time, like in your own brain, like I feel like a lot of times people go through tough times in their own brain uh, and they know it, but they might not be, you know, letting other people know. But if, if you are struggling, just know like most human beings who you're going to interact with are going to want to be there for you. They're going to want to help. Um, so that'd be like a good kind of, way to start the new year really is just having that understanding like hey if i'm going through a hard time like i don't need to keep that to myself like i i should i should reach out i should talk to somebody whether it's like a professional like a what like a therapist or something or whether it's just like my friend or whether it's you know my boss who didn't know i was going through a hard time and and you know maybe they can offer some sort of support so so yeah Let's, let's all do that. Let's do that. Um, cause I had a rough 2021. I'm going to be honest. Uh, it wasn't, it tested my, uh, I feel, always feel like a golden retriever. Like I've always kind of felt that way where I'm just like, Hey guys, what are we doing today? <laughs> like super optimistic and energetic and positive and all that. And I still feel that way for sure. But, um, we just had like just you know, my school community, even if you just broke it down to like just the people I work with who I care for and enjoy working with and am friends with, like my school community had a really tough time in 2021. We lost, we lost a coworker, um, which I talked about when we did our, our desert rats filming. Uh, and then, 
you know, one of my best friends just lost his house and stuff. And, you know, it's just kind of tested my like, oh man, like why do bad things like happen to like really amazing, incredible human beings, which I know is just how life works sometimes. And, but you know, it, it did test my golden retrieverness, uh, at times this year. So, um, yeah, so, you know, looking into the future optimistically, um, I think this is going to be a really good year. I'm hoping to have a lot of really cool, interesting and, you know, kind of unique podcasts lined up, uh, to kind of kick off the year, which would be super fun. Um, but yeah, uh, if you're still listening at this point, uh, into the outro, um, I really appreciate you, you all listening to the podcast. Hope you're taking away, um, you know, this element, this like essence of adventure that I find so uplifting in my life and I find uh, so important. And I hope you're able to kind of like apply those ideas, apply that like motivation, aspirations um, in whatever way suits yours. So, so yeah, uh, it's going to be a good one and we'll be back with you next week.